the Walk the Line Podcast. Real stories of real people. So, yeah, so Jay, Sean, good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Ryan. Yeah, excellent to be here. Thank you. It's good. It's good. I've all, um, I was interested to get you on, to be fair, because I was uh, chatting. When you kind of had a description of uh, what you like to talk about and what you like to do, I was like, oh, like this. And I've caught up a couple of your videos as well. So it's uh, it's interesting sort of like kind of the ins and outs of what you discuss, especially um, obviously regarding obviously the kind of Me Too thing after all that sort of side of things and bits about. But for people who don't know who you are, get a little bit of brief outline yourself, Sean. What what you been? What you what you actually do? <laughs> sure, yeah, no, um, I, I'm a kind of a writer, artist, and academic, um, which is on my CV. And um, um, and until about 2017, I was involved in the writing of like cultural theory and poetry, things like this. And I was a musician too. I'm a musician. Got ten albums out. Um, I used to be a very artsy guy. And then after the Me Too thing, after I was running an art centre, I've become much more um, akin to justice reform. Um, and uh, about 2000, about uh, this time last year, 18 months ago, I became the editor of uh, the False Allegations Watch, which is a part of uh, Empowering the Innocent, which runs out of University of Bristol. So in a nutshell, that's what I do. I'm an artsy guy with an edge in justice reform, I guess. Wow. How many out of 10, 10 albums you've got released? Yeah, well, um, you can say six with uh, four compilation albums, you know, however you count these kind of things. But I've got a bunch of that. material out there, yeah. What's 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 that? What's your music like? What's your instrument? We should go to instrument. I'm a songwriter. I can play guitar and and piano, but I but I used to be like a bloke who stands there with a guitar in bands. So you know, frontman. But I'm not much of a performer. I'm a songwriter. So you know, art art rock is the general um, catch-all for what we were doing. Kind of uh, talking heads, rocks and music. Do you still play now? Do you still kind of dabble in with the guitar now? Um. Less than I used to because of all the writing I'm doing, basically. And you get a lot of your ideas out when you're younger, do you know what I mean? So, but not that I'm very full of ideas, but I just, um, I'm not so active anymore. I don't drink anymore either, so that helped. <laughs> Probably a good thing, isn't it? We've, um, I just, I've recently just started playing the guitar, well, learning how to do it. I played the drums since I was a kid, but I'm just starting because my daughter's just, um, she's learning the guitar. So um, she's only eight. So she a bit of she's trying the hardest. So I went and got myself a guitar. So me and her are trying to play together. And it's like if somebody was like walking past obviously the the front room and just see me and her, they'd be like, My God, what have you got? Is someone dying in there? Who's getting killed? Let's phone the police because it's not it's not music just yet, shot to tell you. That's how it's supposed to be when you're jamming, you know. Chaos, chaos. Chaos sort of side of stuff. So so you you've got a, a wide like I was gonna say like an eclectic um, sort of like a past sort of thing. But one thing I want to jump, delve into is uh, obviously the more recent work with uh, the kind of justice sort of thing you've been doing. Where did this come from and how did it really kind of start? Um, I was running an arts centre in uh, 2016 um, on the south coast here. And um, that was at the high point of the Me Too movement. And um, at that place, um, without going too much into too much personal detail, um, there were some allegations around that kind of subject. Um, and, and quite quickly, as the manager there, I had to basically do a crash course in, in law in how to handle allegations and such things and what was behind it, what was going on. And um, I started to understand how the politics of these things work, how the media and justice work together to um, take down independent business owners and things like this. 
And so I, as opposed to getting upset about it and for the other people involved, I just decided to get informed because that's how I respond to um, challenges, you know. So it started yeah. at the high point of it all here and then went into a more academic form over the last couple of years just because I'm quite good at keeping information and then kind of churning it out again. So, um, yeah, and that's what being an academic is really. Wow. Okay. I mean, when you, when you were learning the ins and outs of that, did you really see like, obviously you go through like laws and all that sort of set of stuff and what this sort of like kind of, uh, society has created so far. And it's from back then it's changed so much until now because of a lot, a number of different things with the Me Too movement and different sort of scenarios that have played out. Did you see anything when you were learning much about it? Did you see much of like, say like, I can't believe this is actually the the way it is? Did you see any sort of like discrepancies? And I mean, how did you tackle that? Um, it, it quickly became obvious how um, if you have an interested person in authority, be it a police officer or a judge, well, not, not so much judge or um, just any kind of investigator or a journalist increasingly these days, how their interest is in basically demonizing people and and how you can kind of create a case against people without evidence. And so I, we started to work out how to do this and, and um, to, to kind of connect the um, connect connect the points between how that can happen from allegation to the police just being interested in conviction targets to the authorities just wanting a place closed down to um, the local press then exploding it and destroying a person's legacy. And that happens on a very small scale, like all around the country every day up to yeah. the big stories like the Weinsteins and the Brands and things like that. So... That all that fascinated me because it's like an art form in itself, and it's very, very ugly and destructive for the person. But you know, you want to analyze what's going on and why, and I'm still doing it. And I got the support of Dr. Michael Norton, who's the miscarriages of justice expert of the country up in Bristol, and us two worked together very closely on this. And he got me to be the editor last year, so I've got some expert help. Oh, that's uh, well, it's great you've got a little bit of backing as well. Yeah. Um, um, especially someone so high profile, which is uh, it's just, it's great. So I mean, going through like um, when you were first starting and all that sort of stuff, and you were learning about the the current, I would say the current status with certain uh, kind of like laws and such like that. What you're obviously going through, like uh, you're, you're you're learning this, you're seeing it, you're understanding it. Did you did you not notice it more a bit demoralizing sort of thing when you look at it? You sit there and go, "If this is what it's like, the people have not got a chance." Or were you more motivated to make change? Um, it seems really, really kind of demoralizing, exactly as you say. And yeah. quite quickly, you start to become like um like a mentor for the mothers of the accused, as we call them, mothers and the sisters and the brothers who are actually the ones who tend to get in contact with you to try and look look for a way through. So you try and help them in as rational a way as you can to be resilient um, and also explain basically that it's not personal. These things feel really personal when they're happening, but the fact is they're being kind of weaponized against people for political reasons. And once people realize that, especially for people that I knew going through it, a lot of the pain of it goes away because you start to realize that it's, targets or a promotion or a political edge that people are after doesn't stop you holding them to account but it just means that the whole thing becomes less personalized and that's the way to handle professional problems isn't it or 
these kind of life life yeah. problems. I, I don't know if that answered you. Um, yeah, no, no, completely. Uh, it's, it's a great way of like, kind of, um, like kind of putting it, really, to be quite honest with you, because it's such a, it, I would say it's such a touchy subject that a lot of people, as soon as you hear it, they want to kind of, they don't, they don't want to touch it because yeah. it's obviously like certain sort of aspects of it. It's just like, well, because it's, it, you've seen the amount of, I wouldn't say like kind of, the, the media, I like to say, I've always, they always like to run with stuff like that. And it, even if it's, as you mentioned before, if it's false and it's just accusations being made, but it's it's struggling once the media gets hold of it and runs with it. How's that, even if it's false, how is that person ever going to get back from that because of obviously the high profiled um, attention they've had? Have you experienced like kind of much sort of like kind of people really not really recovering from it? That's a really interesting point because what Dr. Norton and I have noticed is that basically without wanting to... Um, De, de, de degrade anything or to minimize is, is the term anything um almost every other guy has gone through it now um has been accused of something serious either sexual or domestic violence or harassment or bullying something like this almost every other guy has gone through because it's been so normalized and so the more that happens the less impact these things are having and are going to have and it just becomes like another story that's why just this year we've seen Schofield after Edwards after Brand after Tate after dang 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 because they're trying to ramp these things up in basically what's a political um, agenda against men I'm afraid to say um, and to try to recognise that in a we're very equality equality feminist in empowering the innocent there's no we're not in the men's rights movement it's nothing like that though we support the rights of men we're not like strident about it. We're, we're just into equality, and we're in a position now where we don't have equality. So we're just trying to get a bit of that. And up in your neck of the woods, Mr. Stuart Waiton at the University of Abate is an absolute soldier on this subject. He's absolutely brilliant. So um, just oh, really? for, 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 for your other other kind of uh, the viewers to have a look at him. He does amazing work, Stuart Waiton. Sure, Wes and I give a little bit of a, a, re, a bit of a, a deep dive into that. I love kind of doing the research. Sort of like I, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm sort of like yourself, but I, I've, I've not got the attention span. Unfortunately, I just I like to learn stuff. Hence the reason why I like doing stuff like this. So you mentioned about it's easy um, for the accuser to accuse, if that makes sense, uh, other people. Why do you think it's so easy, and why do you think it actually holds so much weight? with so little evidence? Um, because essentially for 50 years, the political forces of identity politics have been working towards the Equality Act, which was passed in 2010, uh, all across this nation. And so with that, um, it meant that equality was, was established between the sexes and between disabled and races and everything else. And if you said anything, you'd be done for hate speech or misogyny or something, oh, not misogyny so much, but you know, your entire speech and the way of behaving was equalised. So equality was gained in law. Um, and, and so once you've, you've got that, um, it means that they need something else to work on because all of their identities invested in this. And so they imported the Title IX uh, sort of policy over, over to, to the UK to, uh, from the US, which is um, campus rape epidemic, uh, how to handle what was seen as the campus rape epidemic in the USA, which was right. to um, 
handle them by into university tribunals as opposed to going to the police and to judge them there in the uni, which is anti-judicial, right. right? But they were doing that. And they've brought that over here now with Operation Soteria, um, getting a little bit complex. But how they've done things since the Equality Act is to go through Title IX into Me Too, always co-opting the media and using that as a tool for justice. And the media shouldn't be a tool for justice, is what Empowering the Innocent are saying. So just tr trying to connect the dots here for you. God, yeah. Do you know what the media is? It's, they're, they're, they're a bunch of bastards, aren't they? <laughs> they just make things so complicated and they just make things worse for everyone involved, to be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned about, obviously, the the the, 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 the Act 2010, sort of like that, uh, the Act that you mentioned there is can't remember the name of it, sorry, just off the top of my head. Do you think that's made things better or worse since that's been brought into play? As the Equality Act, um, this is what it's called. The Equality Act, and, that's and, it, yeah. And in essence, like all these things, the ideals are good. The ideals are positive. Uh, everybody be the same, everyone gets the same outcomes. But the reality is that you can be a twisted-minded person um from any direction and establish yourself at the top of a company, do an allegation against him, uh, against the other person in there, get his job, and then declare everybody has to be um, able to able to identify as, as as another sex. And if they don't, they'll be sent to prison for not agreeing. Um, yeah. That is what most sensible people would consider to be an abuse of, of an Equality Act that is happening. And... I, I, by the way, I don't care about labels anymore. If I get called a transphobe or a homophobe or anything else, I'm so past all that because I've received quite a lot of it. I don't give a shit anymore. Uh, and But it's like that will be used because of how they are using the Equality Act. And that's all amplified in social media, of course. So it's everybody's battered by it when they come out publicly and say, hey, I've done this. A bunch of people will say, no, you haven't. You shitted. And just get battered by that. So it's um, that's the kind of stuff that I write about too because it's fascinating as well. It is, it's like a, the social aspect of everything is, it is just, it, people just fascinate me in general. I can understand that, you know, it's just the way, the way they act about certain things and how they evolve with just one sort of like the, the one act that comes in and then all of a sudden it just blows up out of all proportions and they just like, they take a little small part of it. They don't understand the, the, the rest of it that obviously explains in a lot more detail. They just take one small smidgen of it and think that's the gospel. Uh, but as you mentioned before, it's not. It's just it's complete, complete bollocks. Really, sometimes, especially without the context, you have to have context based stuff to understand it. And all these people don't understand it more than anything. The walk culture, Sean. That's what we're in nowadays, aren't we? Mm. We're in some sort of like you can't say anything, you can't do anything, and you can't look anywhere in case you get like um, lambasted and smashed all over TikTok and YouTube and Facebook and stuff. And you have to be so careful nowadays to do anything. It's. Uh, it's good it's good and as I said we yeah to protect other people like women and men and all that sort of stuff but you get as you mentioned before you get so many false allegations for people who just don't don't know what you're doing you know mm -hmm. Mm. and it, it's 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 also it's a useful thing if you've got the open arms to handle it and you don't care you can actually use the, the abuse um, what Mr. Mr Elon Musk has done with X is to basically if the amount of kind of kind of abuse you get as a public figure you be able to weaponize it now and to turn each abuse into a dollar. So he's actually managed to do that, which is unbelievably twisted, but also what it needs to have done. So, um, yeah. <laughs> he's getting a lot of, uh, he's got a lot of hate for that, isn't he? Because before, because 
well, Twitter X now it is now called, it's like a, it's like the Wild West now, isn't it? And it's like everything's going on. You've got everything. You've got, you've got like kind of pollen is getting pushed up there. You've got racism, transphobia. You've got everything under there and nothing's been shut down. It's, it's crazy. There's quite a, quite a lot of stuff on there, but also um, it, it always sort of has been there. It's just now it's, it is the Wild West. But it's actually good, and you can unfollow and block and mute. And I do that all the time when I, if if a person is just getting boring, basically, it isn't the um the other stuff you mentioned that bothers me. But if a person's boring, I mute them, you know. And it's like, yeah. so, so, and, and then you try to find your own little navigation way through it. But the reactions on it and the identity identity politics have got a lot to answer for, and it's actually what we're up against. You know, we yeah. really are up against that that term, and um, that, that's that's what we're doing in Empire the Innocent now, almost all the time. What's, with the power of the in power of the innocent, I mean, what's what's the you mentioned about um, that you just said there? What's what's the main issue that you guys are coming across? Is it like an ongoing um, trend that you see all the time that you're coming up against? Yeah, well, um, kind of historically, Dr. Norton was working on kind of IRA cases and like you know, wow, yes, stuff from the sort of from the late nineties, the troubles up into this century and he was working on the Birmingham Six, Guildford Four, these kind of things. Um, right. And in time, especially after the Equality Act and then COVID and all, all that decade that we just gone through, um, he started to, to understand how basically the 2003 uh, sort of sex laws and the criminal justice bill in England and Wales, not sure about Scotland so much, but I'm sure they're very, very connected closely, um, were brought in by Tony Blair's people, by New Labour, and they are just so broad as to make the subject of sexual harassment absolutely everything from a violent rape situation, which makes everybody go, ah, to a touch on the knee. And he's kind of, you know, we've been trying to work out, and as you say, people don't want to go there. It's frightening. Well, they absolutely use that. They completely depend on the fact that no one wants to talk about it. And the good thing about being academics is that we go there and we don't care <laughs> and we cite everything. And, you know, that that has to be done because of what they're doing. Um, mm. When the politics and the media get as integrated as they are, it's up to us. And and, and sort of podcasts like, like this, this kind of communication, which is not um, off-com, you know, it's very, very important. Regulated. We're actually able to talk and communicate. And we're not about to... About to um, get anyone in trouble that's not the game the game is to analyze and to discuss that in a fun way you know yeah of course i mean that's a, that's a good thing about having like a sort of platform like podcast because it isn't regulated you can't have people telling you what you can and what you can say it's yeah it's like an open forum sort of thing and i think people don't understand that podcast is probably one of the only channels you can do that you know you can't do it on like platforms like facebook or video because you're gonna get kicked off all these social medias are gonna get kicked off mm -hmm. you know all these podcasts this is the only time you can actually open and actually speak freely and i'm, I, I'm that's why a lot probably a lot of people are starting to kind uh, of flock towards this, uh, this sort of avenue of like creating um because staying away from the mainstream media sort of thing away from the news because you don't know what's real and what's not and that's right. come to podcasting Come listen to us. Let's talk good. about it. You know, it's great. Absolutely. I love it. It's really positive. Have you seen yeah. It is. I mean, to think that you, this is a positive thing, but there is also a lot of negative sort of like kind of um, 
understanding of all this sort of side of things is you, you, we mentioned I mentioned before that a lot of people don't really like talking about it but do you think it does happen a lot of false accusations are made a lot of people lie a lot of people lives are ruined and all that sort of side of stuff it seems so ingrained and so easy to really go down this that that sort of route do you think we're too far gone to for as a society because we're so used to it to change it or do you think there is actually a way out of like kind of the way we think and the way we act around these sort of scenarios? Um, in um sort of two thousand nine ten, Keir Starmer, um, in, as as the director of public prosecutions, introduced the policy of to believe the victim to the to the uh, Crown Prosecution Service. Right. So basically, you didn't need evidence. All of the um, emphasis of a trial would go on to what the supposed victim would say and they've already given the frame in the title there isn't a victim until till the verdict's being called there's complainants and the accused but he for the last 15 years the criminal justice system has been taken over by this ideology the public don't know it because nobody knows about the criminal justice system until you've gone through it um really and, and so but now so many of the mothers of the accused as i call them have gone through it and lots of people have been to prison, have come out of prison, and have gone through some sort of fire, or that they've had their business closed down, or be, had their legacy destroyed. You know, loads of people are like yeah. this, and very few monsters out there. I can tell you, you know, I communicate with um, all kinds of people all the time. There's not monsters; they're just people being shafted by various forces. <laughs> and um, so, um, what needs to change is for the believe the victim thing to be restored to objectivity, which Keir a couple of years ago said, well, that's what we did in the first place. Well, no, you didn't because it's still existing because it's very useful for the female vote. But the, f the female vote is actually becoming slightly changed now into because of the mothers of the accused. There's many people who are going, well, I don't believe with a bunch of young women just because they're saying it because they've seen Amber Heard and et cetera, not just picking on Amber, but that kind of thinking um, going everywhere. It's basically giving the keys to the prison to a bunch of toddlers and say just go and do whatever you want you know it's not the way that a liberal democracy should go so we're working on bringing believe the victim back to normal which is investigate the story because the police haven't been doing that you've just been jumping straight towards the obviously accusing soon as it's like it's the old school phrase it's like it's like democracy and like the courts it's like innocent until proven guilty it's completely opposite in this sort of scenario isn't it it's exactly a bit accused so you're straight is that you're guilty prove prove your innocence then you're like i shouldn't need to sort of thing you know well, that's it that's and that's exactly the same thing as that people say, say that not not a lot of rapes are, are kind of convicted but it's not the case once they get past the bar to to go to court um which is not not many of them because most of them are false allegations or spurious allegations the ones that do get the two percent get to it 75 percent of the people that then go to it are convicted so there isn't a lower rate at all that's the reality behind the stats, which is always quite difficult to, because all the stats are very twisted up and can be done with whatever you want to do with them. But that's the reality, what I just told you. Yeah, depends on who you're talking to, what stats they come out with really, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. We're committed to not being like that with Empowering the Innocent. We are really committed to objectivity within it, you know, because there's so much bullshit. I mean, they could say, like, for instance, like uh, someone uh, is going through this sort of scenario right now um, falsely accused. What would what sort of what would you do? What sort of, what would you advise that person to do? What how would you let, uh, I, I, um, tell them to say right? 
this is what you need to do? Well, um, hopefully they've got a lawyer uh, or a good lawyer that they trust and like um, because they've had something in their life before where they have a person they can trust. That helps. If they're done, which is normal. Um, the first thing, as I've just sort of uh, talked earlier, is don't take it personally. Um, it feels very personal, but it's probably much more political than that. So um, there's there's a person that's got an edge. You're aware of it. They know. And also, there's a lot more sympathy than you think out there because loads of people have gone through it. They just don't talk about it. And the problem with this is the, the absence of transparency. So, which is why we try to be as transparent as we can at ETI, you know, and, and just to realize it's not personal and they'll probably get through it and be fine. And once they are through it, there'll be people in their ear saying, happened to me as well, mate, don't worry about it. This is the reality. It's a learning experience. Like everything in life is a learning experience. This is as well. And then again, they might've done it as well, which is, can't be ignored. Of course. Cause you have to go through the most, uh, make sure you haven't done it. If you have done it, I hope you go to fucking jail, you bastard. But well, you haven't done it, there's obviously, there's obviously help there for you. Cool. So I think, do you, do, you th- do you think it's going to change anytime soon? Well, um, the fact that, as I was sort of saying earlier, they got all these stories out this year, indicates a degree of panic. <laughs> and the things that they're doing to various sort of uh, people in the public sphere this, this year, trying to just destroy everyone, they really are panicking about social media and not being able to control the narrative. And that panic can only be a good thing because it means that we're going towards some kind of um, retribution and 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 yeah. just a reckoning of of how things should be. Mr. Andy Malkinson, I guess you guys would have got that case up in Scotland, possibly just earlier in the summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's was right. um, uh, uh, sort of released, uh, exonerated after 17 years of being inside uh, for a rape he didn't commit proven by DNA and it's massive and Greater Manchester Police were sitting on evidence for 15 years and the courts just ignored it so it's very very obvious how these things can be manipulated so we're that kind of thing happening again and again is going to make people go hang on there's something wrong here and that's what we're doing at Empowering the Innocent supported by University of Bristol so we're very um I don't say supported like they're they're sponsors but as academics we have to put things in their fact checker, you know, and the fact checker, yeah. and because that's what Dr. Michael does. I'm a bit more of a scribe. I'm a bit more colourful. He's facts, you know. He ensures everything I behind it. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's, a, it's very powerful once you have that sort of like kind of like, I wouldn't I would say backing, but that sort of like kind of uh, a, like a, a system like university, a very high profile university as well. You can use um, to like kind of it gives you a lot of the legitimacy sort of thing. It's a so it gives you a lot of pull, sort of thing, especially in certain cases. Um, do you, with um, the 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 kind of the, the faction you've got, is it how do you operate? Do you get cases? Do you go and look for them? Do people come to you asking about certain scenarios? How does how does it actually work? Um, there's a couple of sort of sources out there where, like, with the falsely accused support organisation, FaceO on um, X and Twitter, they, they've got a the social media platform these days so in the past they get on the phone because they're panicking and scared now it's slightly more going to send an email and eventually it will come through to me or michael and we will discuss the case say what happened to this person and now they're coming from all over the world we've got a bunch of stuff from america so we, oh wow yeah we're not going to close down the walls just because of and it's very good for comparative um sort of studies because we're not solicitors 
we are reporters of the side that's not heard in the media. That's what's important to remember. You know, we're not there to get people off um, and we're not paid in that way. So it's like we're there to put the side, which is ignored because we're very aware. Almost everything that you read about stuff, Mr. Luke Mitchell up in York part of the world, I did an interview about him with his biggest supporter. Um, it's a very sensitive story up in Scotland, so I'm very careful to go there. But um, we, we are very much looking at his case as well. So, um, yeah. Mostly do your kind of classes like investigators sort of thing, aren't you? That's, that's our kind of... Yeah, that's... Are we, like, you think? We, we just hear what, what the person's got to say. And we check that with the things that have been said about it in court and in the press and media. We ask them how they feel about it, and it's usually angry. And so then I'll edit their story into something publishable where it's good to read, you know, and that's basically right. the process. And all these stories, so, from fraud to sex stuff to all kinds of other things to murder, you know, there's all sorts of things that we'll represent because people have rights and they forget that. Of course, yeah. I mean, is it, are you getting more and more busy as the as you're starting to get a bit of notoriety sort of thing? Do you get a, are you inundated with emails right there or is it kind of okay right now? Uh, pe people have a habit, after after the storm clouds have passed, they often scurry away to get on with their lives completely understandably. So um, yeah. a lot of people who would come to us don't because of that and we don't kind of blame them. But there are some more persistent ones and really special cases which will just seem obvious and we'll go and talk to them, we'll approach them, then approach us. And it just makes sense to tell their story. They're all there on the false allegations watch and um, some articles about big characters and articles about littler characters. Um, yeah. Mr. Jeremy Bamber, Mr. Clive uh, Freeman, um, yep. Robin Garbutt. All these characters are there on false allegations watch or CCRC watch under the Empowering the Innocent umbrella. Um, and we be right about them there's lots of scottish things by the way because we've got obviously scotland's scotland scotland it's there it's a massive part of these islands right so i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing Sean, now it's, it's a lot more of a real thing i can tell you that you know it's such yeah. a reality area for Scot scottish uh, yeah it's a, there why it's just it's just it's a crazy one isn't it so i mean you've had that recent one as well um uh the famous footballer mason greenwood so you've had that this really hit the headlines you know, and and it's he should uh, he's now really he he took a hell of a beating really to be fair because nothing was really proven sort of thing. You, have you have you looked at that case quite closely? About have you followed that at all? Well, it's um it's so hot on on the trending that we um tend to come into things after they've stopped trending, in a sense that like he's created this incredible sort of sort of furore. In the way that the Depp Heard case did, you know, he's always there in the sidebar. Um, basically, in answer to your question, it's almost too high profile for us because it's a right. pop story in football. Um, I, I'd be very happy to go there, but the fact is that he hasn't even said that it wasn't him. It's just that what does that sound like and what was it? I mean, um, yeah, I'm not going to pontificate on a fact on a case that I don't know as much as I should be about. But you know, he's. They've both got our sympathy, as always. Of course, of course. I like it. I like the answer deviated away from it. Very sensible, Sean, to be fair. Especially why it's so high profile. I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. So, so I mean, what, what's, the, what's the future looking like for you guys at the minute? I mean, what's, what's, what, what are you looking to achieve? Well, um, the main 
issue, like to believe the victims thing I was talking to you about um, to yeah. get that back to normal is actually achieved in, in fact. Um, they're not supposed to be doing that anymore. However, they still are. And if you read a press report, they'll say victim, 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 victim everywhere. And you're like, there aren't any. <laughs> um, every, all of your, your viewers, every time they read that in the paper, should realize there aren't any until the verdict's called. Then there is one. Right. And then even not when it's been a miscarriage of justice, Andy Malkinson. So, of course, that terminology, the language of all these things, we really want to work on that. Um, and then the 2003 sex law stuff, where they've basically inverted the principle of innocent or proven guilty, we want to hold the MPs to that and say, do you realise what's been done? Because it takes 15, 20 years for this stuff to come through the system. And that's why it's coming through now. And you're seeing case after case after case. While the world is becoming homogenized in terms of, you know, the global situation, not to get too far down the rabbit hole, but it's becoming difficult to assert your judicial independence. Britain's quite good at doing that. So we, including Scotland, I have to keep saying including Scotland, which is rubbish, isn't it? You know what I mean? This idea, yeah, yeah. As, as until we aren't, you know, it's like um, we are good at being alone and saying this is what we're doing. So we actually want to create a bit more of that spirit in empowering the innocent, just standing up for yourself, basically, in, in the face of the law and in face of being called all kinds of stuff, you know. It's only words and it's only labels. It seems as if you're, you're fighting a good fight and you're fighting this, like the voice, the voiceless sort of thing, I like to say. That's sort of yeah. the scenario sort of thing, which is it's a nice little analogy there. Yeah. analogy, I should say. I like that. You could, yeah, you could use that if you want, Sean. You could use that. Sounds good. <laughs> but you're voiceless. Nice. <laughs> but so Sean is obviously I've kept you for a, a, a bit now. So where where can people find more about but what yourself does and all that sort of thing? Where can people reach you? Yeah, um, if they want to buy my own books, which are about culture and uh, the music and stuff like that. And the last book I did um, earlier this year was called "Compelling Speech: The Stammering Enigma," which is about this this the stammer that I have that that, that your guests will have worked out by now. And I actually wrote this little autobiography earlier in the year about it i'm quite open about it so i i touch on lots of things in culture including things like that so um that's there on my amazon page sean bw parker um and they can go and buy that or have, have, a, have a little look at it and then if they want to get into the cases we're talking about tonight they can go to false allegations watch on google and it will come up there it's a wix site wix and um they can go and see all about all these cases we've been talking about Fantastic. Obviously, if you're listening, um, we'll uh, uh, if you look at the description, we'll put all the obviously uh, the links that Sean was talking about straight to them, so you can get to them uh, for your convenience, and that's what I like to do, you know. But um, yeah, Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time out for having a chat, and uh, obviously, um, I'll tell us what you do and everything about the ENLI and all that sort of stuff. I really appreciate that. Um, it's great. Hopefully, we get more people kind of coming forward to yourself or hopefully more recognition for what you guys do it's it's a fantastic thing you guys are doing mm. and uh yeah let's fingers crossed we can uh you're fighting the good fight and uh do what you can for the guys and guys and girls out there voice for the voiceless thank you very much ryan lovely <laughs>